Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm sitting here with Mr. Sean Kirkwood, retired master sergeant, fifth group, and fifth group really didn't do anything. No, but they're nothing. just worthless. We were mostly <laughs> supported third group. It's kind of how it went. Handed them ammo and snacks. <laughs> so Sean and I've worked together over the years many times, and we're gonna talk about the evolution of kit infantrymen's gear in the US military since and and even when we were at SF we still got all the infantry gear so we can kind of talk about that right but it's funny over one career how much things change oh yeah and, night and day yeah, oh my god especially when you're at war in two places right that's obviously going to involve things i remember watching a documentary about the the american civil war hundreds of military patents were filed during the American Civil War, like because oh, yeah. ideas were just coming. There was one ship that the South had. It was an ironclad ship because all the ships were, were wood until then, and it had like fifty different patterns on it. I mean, it had one <laughs> battle and then it sank, but yeah. it had a lot of patterns on it. Anyway, what year did you come into the U.S. Army? Uh, Nineteen eighty-seven. Eighty-seven, first duty station, West Germany. West Germany. How does Back make, when it was hard, it was two countries. You, they make you feel old. Not yes, you, you were stationed in a country that did not exist. Doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, in a good. unit that doesn't exist anymore. Really? Eighth yeah. Infantry Division, gone forever. So eighty-seven. I would imagine that U.S. military still feeling the scars of Vietnam. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. It was completely yeah. Vietnam heavy. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, there was even a my first platoon sergeant was actually a Vietnam vet. Yeah, yeah. My first you first know. sergeant was, and I didn't come in until ninety six. Yeah, and he it, was a Vietnam vet. It right? was a first infantry division Vietnam vet. Yeah. Okay. So talk, just talk to me about M sixteen A one. Is that what you? Had? I went here's. I went to basic training, yeah. and we had the M sixteen A one with the triangular yep. handguard mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. clamshell type handguard. Mm -hmm. And we got to carry that all through basic training, but the M16A2 came on board, yeah. and we got to do our qualification with the A2, and then we had to hand it back. Yeah. And then when I got to Germany, I went back to having M16A1s. Were they, you know, there's certain duty stations that they're last to get equipped. They're not a big priority. We yeah. know that from working at Force Mod together. Yeah. Was West Germany that case? At the time, it, it was decent priority i think again i'm a private i don't know but <laughs> but you know i remember back then like if anything broke because it was a you know run to the border against a russian horde kind mm -hmm. of mentality all your equipment had to be at a certain state of readiness so, so like if one equipped pretty good we had de yeah. i mean i think we had decent equipment for the time i mean we had all the stuff yeah you know, that, that yeah. m16s and you didn't know any better but i didn't yeah. know any better yeah it's yeah. funny i remember one of my first details i think it was the first detail i ever went on was a bunch of us privates had to go drive the old jeeps the army oh, jeeps yeah, the onto Willy, a, onto a jeeps. yeah onto yeah. a flatbed yeah and they they were another group of privates was offloading humvees wow so the jeeps were getting transitioned yeah. out for humvees at the Wish time we had those jeeps though man. i did too cool. i did too it was, it was crazy <laughs> but uh um but the equipment had to be up within 24 know hours were in that early on yeah, yeah. They, this is 87. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have a lot of them. We were yeah. mechanized infantry unit. They were mostly mm -hmm. command vehicles, you know, yeah. uh, but it was like, I guess Did it was- Did the Bradley a, exist? Or was not it that. M113s. No, it was M113. Mm -hmm. That's what I was in. Yeah. You know, yeah. M113. With 50 caliber. Yep. Yep. The old Willie Jeeps, man. That that thing was that, that thing was iconic. I've actually never been in one, but yeah. That was the only time I was yeah. in one, was yeah. driving them onto a flatbed yeah. so they could take um, them away to wherever. Uniforms. What uniform did you have? We had regular BDUs. The OG 107s. That was, the, was, that was the green uniform. The green uniform, yeah. the OG, uh, the olive green uniform. The Rangers and Special Ops would wear them. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I think the BDUs had just 
come on board. Okay. So the regular battle dress woodland camouflage battle dress uniform yeah. is what we had. The OG 107s are what they had in stripes, right? Remember, yeah. Remember that movie? Yeah. 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 The, the green looking uniform. Yeah. Well, I think the Rangers, like they had like a jungle. Theirs looked a lot cooler because the mm. pockets were slanted, you mm-hmm. know. And But uh, yeah, we had the regular beanies. Boots? Just regular leather. Jungle boots or no? Boots, we yeah. had there was jungle boots, but you had to buy them. You were high speed if you had jungle if you boots. bought jungle boots, man. I yeah, mean, you, you, you were pretty much a big deal. You were a big deal. <laughs> yeah, you, you were a big deal. I mean, but they just had the I mean, leather. jungle boots in Germany on a mechanized unit. Probably not a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Know? And they yeah. used to have the metal plate in the bottom that would stop punji sticks yeah. from Vietnam. Yeah, that's And those right. things would get cold in the winter. Yeah, and your feet would like they would tell you don't wear jungle boots. Yeah, because you know, somebody would wow. always want to wear them. I don't know how people like in World War Two like the Elborn wore those. Boots, right? Because oh, we yeah. wore them in we wore them in uh, class A's. Yeah, with they're uncomfortable boots. Oh yeah, man. They're super they're horrible. Uncomfortable. I can imagine being a Bastogne in the cold with those things. No, can't um, either. Pistols, nineteen eleven. Oh yeah, forty five was there, and then eventually. Yeah. But again, as a young infantry guy, I didn't really yeah. see pistols that much. Yeah. But we, I remember we had forty fives. Yeah, yeah. You still um, had the grease guns, right? The, oh, the, the tankers would have yeah. the grease guns. What was the M three? Right, M three grease, grease gun. gun. Yeah, I it remember, looked like a grease gun. A it did forty five caliber submachine gun. Yeah, I, I'd um, never. I fired them on the eighteen Bravo course, and there's no safety on it. You close the dust cover basically, yeah. and that stops the bolt yeah, going a, forward. Yeah. And dude, that thing is skin and bone. It is. Oh, it yeah. is a pipe. And a barrel and a spring. It's like somebody made it in their garage. It is. And then fielded it to the army. <laughs> I wonder how much it cost to make one of them. Oh, like, I can't. I'm five bucks. Yeah, yeah. nothing. Nothing. Uh, but, but they were still using them when I was in. In 97, I was going to NTC, and tankers and mechanics had them. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, a vehicle, a submachine gun for a tanker, you need something small. And it's yeah. just personal protection around your vehicle. You're not engaging people at yeah. distance. It's yeah. If your track gets knocked out, and you got to fight, right? Yeah. And it still worked. Yeah. It, it, it still worked. Yeah. What about radio combo stuff? Your private. We had like touch it. PRC seventy sevens. Really? Yeah. We had them in the Ireland. The yeah. little yeah. dial, you know, and it was yeah, yeah it was. There's just, no encryption on them, right? No. They were just single I, channel. They, there was yeah. a. You could hook something up to them to encrypt them, and I don't remember what the terminology was for it later on. But they were the classic radio on the back of the infantryman in Vietnam. Oh yeah, same one with the smoke grenades hanging on the on exactly the thing, same right? radio. Yeah. Same we radio. Had we, had them. we didn't have any. Uh, then we didn't have any, my first unit, we didn't have any like squad comms, like no small radios yeah. that people generally yeah. carried. And then I remember getting a radio called the PRC-126. Garbage. 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 I had them as a squad leader. You could see a guy yeah. 100 meters away it, and you could not talk, talk to him, him unless you yelled. And, and, then then if, and then you remember if the, if the frequency would get bumped to a different yeah. frequency, your radio would start going bong, bong, <laughs> bong, bong. <laughs> Garbage. You know, it was horrible. Uh, the, the PRC-77, we had them in Ireland. We did this foot patrol one time along the border, and we drove up to the top of this mountain. We were all getting off, and we all had backpacks on. And the guy with the radio, it was always a problem to carry a radio and a rucksack, right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. A, so the guy had the radio strapped to his chest and the ruck on his back, and he was getting off the truck, and he put his hand, and he jumped, and his wedding ring got caught on a nail, ripped his finger right off. Ouch. I've seen two fingers get ripped off in my career, both in Ireland. Yeah, it ripped his finger right off. And then, of course, you're on the top of a mountain. we got to fucking get his finger, put it in a water bottle, <laughs> in a put water. it back in the truck, and then maneuver the truck down off the mountain. He lost his finger, obviously, right? <laughs> and then, I don't know if it was a couple of months later, we were on uh, Border Patrol. And, dude, you know, Ireland, they call it slagging, right? Like, just making fun of people, right? Yeah. It's part of the culture in Ireland. If they see a crack in the chink of the armor, they oh, will yeah. exploit it and destroy you. So people were destroying this guy, man, with no finger. They were laughing at him and everything. And one of the guys who was laughing at him, we were on the border patrol duty, 
and he, I'm off subject now, but I can't help myself, but we were on Border Patrol duty and in the morning you'd wake up and they'd lock the door and everybody had to clean the whole facility because mm. every 24 hour new crew come on. So you had to clean it for the oncoming crew. And this guy didn't want to clean it, so he was climbing out the bathroom window to go to chow. <laughs> and he fell, and his wedding ring caught on the, the little notch that closes the latch. Yeah. Uh, ripped his finger off. Good. Right? <laughs> Within a couple of months. <laughs> yeah. Dumbass. You should have bought a lottery ticket. Dumbass, yeah. That's what, dumb ass, yeah. Yeah. That's what um, you get. But uh, those 113s, they haul ass. They were fast vehicles. They, they were pretty very quick. Light. They were very light, but they were so light that going up against tanks, you weren't oh, very yeah. motivated. Luckily, we never had to. Yeah. I mean, it was all you're, peacetime you're, army stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, they were uh, they were pretty weird vehicles, though. Yeah. It was kind of yeah. fun, but not very thick armor. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even really call them an armor vehicle. Mm. Small uh, arms. Small arms, yeah, right? At the most. But the, the gunner is very vulnerable up there. Oh, yeah. No chicken play, probably. No, nothing. Yeah. The only no, reason no. I know about them is, or I mean, I know about armored vehicles is because that, like NTC or CMTC yep. in Germany, they use them for the Op 4. They call them BMPs, but yeah. they use them for the Op 4. Yeah. Um, now well, you only see them in a museum. Yeah. Going into the special ops museum and they got a 113 in there. I'm like, man, you're old when they, they got the a gear you were in. They got a GMV in there, yeah, too. Yeah. Like, wow. So basic day-to-day life back then yeah. in, a, in, a, in a peacetime army in Germany. Very, what did you guys do? Very regimented. I yeah. mean, it was very – it was because I look at it like I was into Germany in the late 80s, but it was almost like it was the late 70s. They were almost like it was like 10 years behind. It hadn't evolved. It hadn't yeah. really evolved that much. There was a lot of the old mentality there. It was mm. that whole Cold War thing yep. was going on, but all our mm. lessons learned – all the combat lessons well, there was still communism. Vietnam. There was still communism there, yeah. right? There was still, the, the wall had not come yeah, down. Yeah, but we were using Vietnam tactics yeah. to fight, you yeah. know, this big armor assault mm. in the East, from East Germany and West Germany. But mm. it was just very, it was kind of a weird, it was great. I kind of liked it looking back on it because, mm. you know, we had like, you know, we had to fold our socks a certain width and we had, mm. you had one personal drawer and you really grew up like old army kind of mentality. I think there's value there, man. I think there I, is too. I think you had to make your bed every day with, like army sheets and blankets yeah. there wasn't you yeah. know uh yeah. shoes had to be lined up a certain way there yeah. were barracks sops and mm. even though it's like co- basic training even it, though you're in the army it was yeah but it wasn't nothing like you know sunday night everybody's in there you know using a buffer to buff their floors because there'd be mm-hmm. a room inspection on monday yeah. morning and you yeah. know your squad leader came in and made sure you guys were up and moving in the back it was just it was very regimented it's like the army took over as your parents Exactly. It <laughs> was know? just like that. For young people, yeah. that's good, man. It gives you a solid foundation yeah. that you build on the rest of your career. And, and people think, oh, you know, special ops, unconventional. The best special ops guys are really good conventional guys. Yeah. And then they, because you can't be unconventional until you know how to be conventional, right? Well, um, we say, I've said it before, one of the sayings I like to use is everybody wants to be outside the box, but you yeah. got to be able to define the perimeter yeah. of a box before yeah. you can be outside yeah. of it. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of people want to be outside the box and mm-hmm. they can't even point to where it's at. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. I can imagine the uh, the old army blankets. Oh, yeah, the, the bunk wool beds. ones. Was it lino on the floor, like the green lino or whatever it was? Or yeah, it was. Like it was tiles. Because I was in these old, I mean, old yeah, in the 80s, yeah. big buildings. I, I'm not sure it was called Lee Barracks in Germany, but I don't I don't know what the history of that yeah. place was. But it was uh, very European army looking. But, uh, it yeah. The, built by the Nazis, It right? probably yeah. was. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Now it's like a college or something. I mean, I look, I, yeah. I Googled it one time, and it's yeah. like a, like a, learn, a college yeah. or whatever. But... Pretty small little concern, they call them. It was like right in on the outskirts of a little town, yeah, or a town called Mainz, and um, it was just it was just kind of cool, man. It was yeah. very old army. I didn't have a car. Everybody took normal transportation. Everybody was really tight because you, you could probably drink because you were in Europe. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, as soon as I landed there, landed there on my 18th birthday. And Did you? The rest was like a two year haze. Beer me. 
Oh my god. That's my biggest regret about Germany was like I was there, but I kind of wasn't. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't, venture. didn't travel. I didn't. I've yeah. traveled a little, but mostly when I traveled, I traveled and I just drank more. And I did. Yeah. You know, did you I go to Oktoberfest? I did. Yeah. Went to Oktoberfest. Do you remember any of it? Parts of it. <laughs> Parts of it. Yeah. It was. It was very, very party heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the army was just different there. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I you come out of basic training not knowing what to expect, and it was by no means a high speed unit. Like my first PT, regular physical fitness session in the army. I remember I had a, a, a squad there named Sergeant Williams, and we showed up. We do the formation, very big on formation. We did it, and it was squad PT for some reason that day. They were letting the squad leaders run it, so everybody like spread off in their squads. And we went like we walked like two blocks away from everybody else, and he had us in line, and we did some stretches. And I noticed Sergeant Williams was like looking around a lot, and mm-hmm. I didn't know what we were going to do. It was my first day in the mm-hmm. real army, you know. And he's like, "All right, man, I don't feel like doing PT. Everybody, sneak back up to the barracks room." <laughs> so we all like, we all—I remember standing there looking at him. I'm a private. Yeah. I was like, "Is he punking me?" Am I, am I supposed? So we like snuck away, and everybody yeah. like kind of creeped off. Everybody else in my squad knew the deal, so they already mm. had like a, a route. Yeah. I was just kind of standing there, going, I, "I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do." <laughs> it was—it was awkward. Okay, do you have the old gray PTs back then? Yeah, we—you yeah. could—you could wear the gray PTs. Uh, uh, like sweat, old school old sweats sweater, with a yeah. zip up sweater, or you yeah. could even you could wear BDUs then if you wanted to for PT. Really? You, could, you had the choice. You mm. could have one or the other. Okay. Yeah. And I even had I, I remember I had this one. Uh, he's an officer though. He was like a first lieutenant, but he would always run every mo- like PT for him. He wore jungle boots, mm-hmm. and they let him and they didn't care. Yeah, he's got plantar fasciitis really yeah. bad now. Yeah, he probably, yeah, probably he can't walk. can't walk anymore. <laughs> You know, but he was hard for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a but, peacetime army. Yeah, yeah. it was. Um, it was. It was very. I. I liked it because it was very. Uh, it just. I like getting that old school army like the structure. Structure. Mm-hmm. I needed it. I enjoyed it. You, yeah. you really knew. And uh, even with the gear, like back to the gear, we didn't rely. The gear wasn't the focus training. Mm-hmm. What training we did it focused the training. Yeah, I and think you use the technology value, the best you can. There. Yeah, there's value there because you you. You know, you clamber through the woods in the dark with no nods. You know, no nods, right? Did you have no nods. nods you have no. PVS fives. The drivers mm-hmm. had PVS fives, and okay. they would they would uh, yeah, just with like, their heads stuck out of the, the yeah, and they try, yeah. and you could see like fifty feet yeah, maybe yeah, on a perfect yeah, night. Yeah, you know, they were yeah. they were horrible. Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, but yeah, we night vision wasn't a thing. We used, you know, live yep. fires. We use flares. Yeah, you know, you yep. illum- use mm-hmm. illumination rounds and things like that. If you were yeah. lucky, M sixty machine guns. M60 machine guns. 50 cals. Um, 50 cal machine guns. They've been around service, forever. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Um, we didn't have any saws, like squad automatic no, weapons. They, came they in weren't the around. 90s, I think. Or, yeah. yeah, late yeah 90s. We didn't have those. So, um, yeah, it was it's very so bare bones. It's so funny now because you see a, a, an M4 or an M16 or, or a rifle now, a military rifle without an optic on it. It looks completely out of place. Yeah, it looks weird. But back then, it was all iron sights. Yeah. It was all iron sights. How was the training? Hit or miss. Yeah. There was some good and some bad. And, and it, it was really just dependent on the leadership. and Because yeah. re- for a mechanized unit to train, it was a lot of moving parts. Yeah. You know what I mean? You had to move all the equipment, all the people. The railhead vehicles. Yeah, railhead vehicles because you couldn't drive on all the roads. All the training areas were miles mm-hmm. and miles away. So it was a big event. So we... Yeah. When we went out to the we went out to the field a lot, but when we did, it was like you're out there 45 days. Yeah. You're going to Grafenvir or Hornsfelds mm-hmm. or one of these other training areas and you're just training out there. And again, the training was hit or miss. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was decent, sometimes not so good. And a lot of times it just depends on 
it was weird because back then it was if it was bigger level, like brigade level training, mm-hmm. you got better training because more resources would be poured into it. But yeah. if it was like company, more people watching. Yeah, if it was company and below, yeah. it was like, hey, go out in the woods and dig in a fighting position and stay there two weeks. Yeah, and that's what you do. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, back back to the hot child thing. Then we didn't have yeah. tactical child. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was it was very. Uh, Hit or miss, mm-hmm. right? You know, basic uh, individual skills training like marksmanship, mm-hmm. not hardly at all. We did a lot of uh, NBC training, chemical biological warfare training, mm-hmm. because that was a big threat. So mm-hmm. we, I got really good at putting on a mop suit and taking it off and decon, mm-hmm. decontaminating. Gas, gas, gas. Yep. Gas, gas, mm-hmm. gas. Always had that thing sucks. on. It was horrible. Yeah, that sucks. Um, um, but was there, did you shoot like once a year, twice a year? Maybe Qualified. a couple times a year. Yeah. It was mostly qualification. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't do any cool, like, mm-hmm. small arms training. Mm-hmm. We'd go to a machine gun range and, a, mm-hmm. you know, rifle range for qualification. Mm-hmm. There was no, like, CQB or no, anything. Anything Especially cool. Only, only yeah. like, Delta Force I remember did that. even in the 90s when I went to Mech Unit, they were like, oh, MAUT, military yeah. operations and urban terrain. It's not on our, our metal tasks. Yeah. I'm like, that's insane. Yeah, there's buildings everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, no. yeah. Was, you should know how to clear a building. Yeah, it was it's crazy. Insane. Yeah, it wasn't um, even something we thought about. It was just mm-hmm. like now I look back on it after being in combat, and I look back at how ill prepared we were. Yeah, because yeah. we just weren't living in reality. Yeah. I mean, the only combat guys that were there, like I think we had like two guys in my battalion that were in like Grenada yeah. in 1983, mm. and then a couple Vietnam vets sprinkled around, but mm-hmm. nothing of any significance to really give any good lessons. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of uh, figuring out. You know, mm. and you know, you say uh, like Vietnam's jungle, right? And this is Germany, but there's lessons to be learned from combat oh, yeah. that are applicable anywhere oh, yeah. you go. Were they like disgruntled, older disgruntled guys that just didn't? A lot of the up? a lot yeah. of the NCOs were. Yeah, the young. You had a split. Like, yeah, a lot of the NCOs were kind of disgruntled and grumpy and waiting for the pension, not very happy, and yeah. just kind of it was like the retirement home of old NCOs. <laughs> there was. There was some really I met, you know, actually the best NCO I ever met in my life, Sergeant mm-hmm. Roby, mm-hmm. was there. I mean, yeah. he was he was like the epitome of an NCO for the rest of my career. Yeah. I've talked about him a couple times. Yeah. Regular infantry guy, mechanized infantry dude, but knew everything. Yeah. Awesome. Looked the part, you know, be no do guy. And mm-hmm. but we also had some of the worst NCOs yeah. I've ever seen in my yeah. life. You know, it's um, so important for uh young soldiers to have that NCO to look up to that yeah. guide him and I've said this before but you know you get young soldiers to come in they got a dirtbag NCO they get out after two three yeah. years you get somebody comes in they have a squared away NCO they generally re-enlist and stay in because yeah. um, that dirtbag was not what they signed up for a yeah. lot of times and they want discipline they want to be controlled and they want to be mentored even though if they don't know it at that time when did you leave Germany? 89 where'd you go? Uh, Fort Lewis, Washington. We're going to talk about you until we get to 96 when I come in, and then I'll, I'll pitch in. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm not going to talk about Ireland because we're talking about the U.S. Army <laughs> right now. Uh, I probably had better gear in Ireland than we had in the U.S. Army you at that probably time. probably did. And, yeah. and it's would, off anyway. So yeah. Fort Lewis, Washington. When, when was the next evolution of kit? When did you see the next change? When did you see, you know, M16A2s come in, then AM4s come in, and, and the nods and the uniforms and the trucks and all that kind of stuff. I'll tell you, it wasn't really, there wasn't really a big evolution in kit till after, I would say, 92, 93 is when yeah. you started seeing better Gulf stuff War. come along after the Gulf War. Because, mm-hmm. you know, people went to the Gulf War. Yeah, I didn't. I was at Fort Lewis. My unit didn't go. Just back to Germany real quick. What did you have for anti-tank weapons? Did you have any at all? Tow missile Toe, and right. dragon. Shoulder mm-hmm. launch was a dragon wire guided mm-hmm. yeah. missile. So tow was laws. tube launched, optically guided, wi- no, yeah, wire tube guided, optically, optically tracked, sighted, wire yeah. guided missile. So you basically launched this thing, 
and you kept your sights on the target. So you shoot this missile at a tank, yep. and then you guide it through a wire that's connected yeah. to the missile, and, and you guide it onto the target, and you guide it onto the target, and you guide it onto the target. And in the meantime, every tank at the battlefield is shooting at you. Yes, because you made this big boom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was not a good yeah. idea, but yeah. it was what it was, right? Yeah. And it did kill tanks. However. Sitting there while you're getting shot at, guiding this thing to the target. Yeah, uh, I mean, we and all, the dragon was the same way. Yeah, the dragon yeah, was just yeah, a smaller yeah. version of that. Yeah. That was wire guided, and you know, it, mm. but uh, so that fire and forget. Like now they got the javelin, yeah. which is and I've, you've I've killed, shot you've that. killed yeah. tanks yeah, with yeah, javelins. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's a great, awesome yeah. weapon system. Yeah, you just yeah. fire it. Fire and pop go. Pop off the, the, the tube. The, yeah, and take the clue and yeah, the clue and haul ass, ass. Yeah. and you can use the clue as a sight. You can use it. It's it's a great piece of piece of kit. You know. Yeah, I can't imagine sitting there guiding a yeah. missile to the target. And a lot of them would fail too. Like we'd go to do live yeah. fires, yeah. And, and uh, we, you know, you you'd talk to the eleven hotel guys or anybody doing them, and and uh, like sometimes a tow missile would be going down range and the wires were breaking and just go, <laughs> <laughs> or dive into the dirt. You know, I've it seen was, it do that. I've seen like, we fired one somewhere and it went launch, boom, yeah. and it just landed a hundred meters out. And there's yeah. a wire connected back, yeah. and you're like, oh my god, is this thing? Because they had like a launch motor and a flight motor, so yeah. it would go poof out the tube, and then it would drop a little bit, and yeah. then the flight and motor was in. supposed to kick mm -hmm. in. Sometimes that flight motor, I guess, didn't mm -hmm. kick in, but yeah, but yeah, that watching, you know, staying crosshairs on a target that's two thousand meters away yeah. with a, yeah. with a hundred twenty millimeter gun on yeah. it, not not optimal. Yeah, probably not. You know. So the, the after the Gulf War, what was the the biggest change that because like for a very long long time we Alice packs we had Alice you know web gear the same web gear we had in Vietnam mm -hmm. right the two pouches in the front the canteens one canteen if you had two canteens you were kind of high speed you were really cool you were kind of cool if you had three ammo pouches you had to yeah. carry six mags and you had an extra <laughs> pouch for random stuff ninja stars and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> or candy bars, you know. What do you got? Things you pay yeah. on a wire. Yeah, yeah. choke yeah. people out. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. Very high um, speed. Very hush hush. Yeah, that H harness, and then uh, which they, I actually liked. Yeah, it was funny the evolution of of the of the LCE load carrying equipment that yeah. they had because yeah. they used to have the we, we call them meat hooks the the metal clip that was like right on your lower back yeah. that your ruck would rub mm -hmm. against and like rub holes in your back mm -hmm. so you'd want to replace it with 550 cord because yeah. it was flat oh yeah. cool, it couldn't do that if you're allowed then you're modifying yeah. gear and then yeah. you can't have that yeah. so guys were like creating their own lbs that they take to the field with them yep and they would only wear them when nobody could see them yeah. which I always thought was. But they had How a second set for inspections. Yeah. Because I, you had to have two sets yeah. because you could never keep your regular gear clean enough to pass yeah. inspection. See, I, I was blown away when I got to Fort Hood first and we went out to the field and we came back and we had to clean all our gear and this guy inspected my gear and I had a little bit of water in my canteen and up until that point, I never had my canteens empty long enough to dry them out. You yeah. had to dry them out completely. Yeah. Everything had to be scrubbed clean. I get it. But yeah, guys that have two sets of gear, one for inspection yeah. and one for actually using, yeah. that would be modified. Um, well, it's the same with boots. You'd have two sets of boots. Yep. Like I remember yep. before going out to the morning formation and on the clock yep. wearing one set of boots, saying, oh, I got to go to the bathroom, running upstairs yep. and changing into my other boots that I could do whatever we were you doing. Go to pool and Because I wanted dirty. to set them boots nice and yes. pristine so I could wear them the next day. In the peacetime army, it was all about, a pay, right? You had to differentiate yourself from your peers. Yeah. And you did that by good PT and then clean starch uniform and shiny boots. Yep. Yeah. Good yep. haircut, shiny yep. boots. Yeah. Yep. So... Around 92, after the Gulf War, did it evolve because of lessons learned or was it just that natural evolution of kit? My perception over the time, I think it was just a natural evolution. Mm -hmm. I think people started seeing the better, like even like uh, 
rain gear. Mm-hmm. Like Gore-Tex started becoming a thing and Gore-Tex yeah. jackets were out oh, there. Oh, yeah. I remember rain gear. It was just like plastic. Yeah, it was just like a tarp. Like a, like, a he- like a thick garbage bag you yeah, put on it. It was. looked like a top. Yep. And you'd sweat yeah. like yeah. crazy in it. And so breathable, soaked. waterproof mm-hmm. fabric started coming out. You know the um, sleeping bag? The old oh, yeah. sleeping bag? Yeah, the big. That was like. It was like it, cotton. It, if you got it wet, you yeah, might as well throw it away because you're yeah. never drying it out. Yeah. Not in the field. And it was so big and hard to stuff into a rucksack. Yeah. And it'd be wrapped in a, a trash bag, obviously, to keep, yeah. it, keep it dry. And you'd stuff that thing. There was the one that had kind of uh, a waterproof bottom on it. I can't yeah. remember the name. But, and then there was the one after that that was worse that was... That big freaking one that was massive. It'd take up your whole rucksack, yeah, basically. Yeah. I, that thing was garbage, too. Well, again, I think requirements were being written based off of incomplete information yeah. from the Force Mod world. Mm-hmm. People were saying, oh, we need a warmer sleeping bag. Yeah. But without any good tech specs of mm-hmm. what that thing needs to do, you're giving a guy a you know yeah. big roll of cotton to carry yep. to the field with him, and it mm-hmm. just didn't work. Yeah. You know, now they got you know 32 below zero sleeping bags that you can crush into a little sack you yeah. know i mean mm-hmm. but back then it was it was really difficult when you went to the field did you stay did you have shelter halves yeah oh yeah so i i couldn't believe that i went to basic training yeah. and you had a shelter half and your buddy had a shelter yeah. half and you carried the poles yeah and you made a tent dude this is civil war stuff oh yeah like this is yeah. what they had in it. i i went to a museum a while ago and they had a civil war demonstration, and it was shelter halves. And I was that's like, what we had. "That's what I had." In Every basic. guy got issued half of a tent. Yes, and they carried it with them. And you clipped it together. Yeah, and you had the poles. Yep. And like, which oh, what was funny is though we hardly ever used them though. Yeah, I mean very yeah. rarely. Only in basic training I used them. Yeah. That was it. I used them a couple times, mm-hmm. but then you know by then it was like I'm going to build a poncho hooch. You yeah, know, get some bungee cords, and mm-hmm. you were super high speed if you carried bungee cords yeah. to the field. And yeah, you had a, and I, I had two ponchos. Yeah, because I can I could put a floor in and I could go <laughs> pretty much special ops. Yeah, I was point. I was pretty yeah. much a, a special <laughs> ops guy at that point. Check out my bungee skills. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you wore your knife up here on your LCE, yep. you were a big that deal. That was a big too. deal, too. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. But um, yeah, it was a lot of it was because you know, weapons didn't really, I mean, even M16A1, M16A2, yeah, not a big mm-hmm. change, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit better of a rifle because the original one I had, like, you could, you could, yeah, turn that thing, it was so horrible. <laughs> the 45s, you could rattle them, like, yeah, yeah, it was like was a the, bag I, of bullets. When I, when I did, uh, when I did the Athian Bravo course, the 45s in there have been disassembled so many times. Yeah, you take it and you push three pins, and the whole thing falls <laughs> apart. I bought a 45 after I graduated, I beat on that thing for an hour, I couldn't disassemble it, it was so rigid, yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, they did a lot of them M16s probably been to Vietnam. The the 1911s yeah. too, the M79 grenade launchers. I'm sure you yep. had those. We were still using yep. them in Iraq in 07. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was kind of a sought in. after thing. It I, was. I, yeah. I liked them. The old uh, nobody yeah. wanted that 203. That was yeah. M203 underneath. I no, hated that, that, that thing. makes the gun so bulky. Yeah. So you're in Fort Lewis, Washington. You have GMVs. Were you in a light yeah. unit then? Yeah, it was. That was kind of a weird transaction because we went to Fort Lewis and. They started a new concept there called motorized infantry, which oh. was basically Humvee mounted infantry. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was kind of a fairly new Don't concept. Way quickly, you know, that yeah, thing, we yeah. went to an NTC rotation, yep. um, and uh, you know, again, not knowing, I'm yep. young, I don't know mm-hmm. the grand scheme of it, but they put all these infantry squads in trucks, and you mm-hmm. mounted your rucks, and it was just more like a mobility kind of platform, and, and you do the same kind of techniques yeah. that we did in mechanized infantry, just with Humvees. Yeah, light infantry can yeah. only move so fast, yeah. so far with light equipment. Yeah. Uh, unless you're in a jungle environment or mountains, like you're really, really slow. Like people used to make yeah. fun of mechanized infantry. Or I went to Beanock, you know, when I was in the mech unit before I went to SF. And 
all these light infantry guys, and I was like, dude, a Bradley could destroy your whole platoon in seconds. Yeah. With with a twenty five millimeter HE rounds firing at you. Yeah. Like, and then you know, mechanized infantry can get out, hit targets, get back, resupply ammo, go hit it again, resupply ammo. Like, you really do well, have the whole that, the whole measuring factor of what, who's good and who's bad in the infantry is who sucks the most. Yeah. You're yeah. like hurt, and who's in the most pain? Like, yeah. I'm an infantry guy. <laughs> I had to walk thirty miles. It took me three days to hit this target, and a yeah. mech guy. Well, you're you're a wimp because you rode in the track <laughs> and you got there in two hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, am it I was, smart? Or am I? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was just yeah. it, that was the whole mentality of yeah. it. But yeah. uh, the, it, uh, it, it kind of we came back from that, and it, it was it, yeah we kind of stayed in that. But it was kind of really uh, they never really kind of decided on what it was going to look like. And then shortly after that is when the striker kind of came to be a thing, mm, and they yeah. started. And now I think the 25th Infantry Division's out of Fort Lewis now, and I think they got all they're a striker unit. Oh, they it was kind of the interim between light infantry, yeah. not mechanized light, and then motorized and then it just turned into well we got I, these I think all striders all every now have vehicles obviously right because yeah. you can't go anywhere to you have vehicles to. right and the bradley came out at, after that yeah. there was a version of the bradley in the gulf war and then the, yeah. the bradleys that got modified after the gulf war were called ods you know bradley m2 bradley ods operation desert storm and it had a bunch of modifications on it yeah that had been lessons learned from the gulf war and so th that's where like when I was in mechanized infantry, it was all Bradley fighting vehicles at that point, right? Yeah. And it was, you know, there were task force with Bradleys and tanks and, you know, artillery all kind of working together in conjunction, mm -hmm. you know, fighting on the battlefield. Uh, when's the first time you saw optics or nods? <sighs> nods was probably Fort Lewis, probably yeah. the, I mean, better. What kind? Seven Bravos. Yeah, the Sevens yeah. were the first. And then uh, shortly after that, I think we started getting in 14s, the monocular. Mm -hmm. But that was, actually, that wasn't at Fort That was in the 2000s, man. When that no, came we, in I had those in the 82nd, I believe. Yeah. Before that. I remember the Red Dot came out, the, the M68 yeah. Red Dot, which I still have. Yeah. I have two of them. I love them. I think they're yeah. great. That came in when I was in Germany. So that came in in like 2000. And we had yeah. the, I have a picture actually of me in Kosovo. We still had the rails on our M16A2s, so yep. it ran a bar from that, and the, the optic mounted forward of the carrying handle yep. on this mount, you know. But it yep. was a game changer, man. Yeah. I was like, man, this is bad. Well, first, the first thing was with the SOP mod kit before even that mm -hmm. M68, because this is in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. um, when did you go to SF? The 98. Yeah. So we had, uh, it was a Trigicon like hollow site, basically. I don't yeah, remember what it was called. I remember that, yeah. But we had that as part of the SOP mod kit. Yeah. But that was SF. But that was only SF. The yeah, infantry it wasn't didn't the get. Infantry didn't have that. Yeah. So infantry got M68s first. Mm -hmm. Um, or got M68s. And I remember first time I really remember seeing those was in the 82nd, my first time there. Yeah. And that was going to be that's going to be 92. Oh, okay. So you went from Lewis to the 82nd? <clears throat> yeah. Fort Bragg. Went for Fort um, Lewis, Airborne School, Fort Bragg. And they probably had better gear. Than the they did. We had uh M4 carbines, yeah. you know, M68s. Yeah. I don't remember the radio. I think the radio was still the, probably the same, 123 or whatever it was called. Yeah. That, that squad radio. The radios hadn't changed that much as no. far as I remember. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, the gear the gear had changed a little bit. Uh, you know, the rifle obviously changed. And by mm -hmm. then we had Beretta pistols. 92s, pistols, mm -hmm. and still M60 machine guns. And the saw was on board at that point. The it M was M249. that early? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I went to Ranger School in, in 92 and we had the saw in Ranger School, so yeah, I'm sure the units yeah, had it. They had them in there. Uh, you know, if you read that book, Bravo Two Zero, the British SAS in, in Gulf War, they had Minimis. They call yeah, them. Minimis, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. same thing. 
But yeah, that so the, that was kind cool. of a game changer machine gun. Oh yeah, it was those belt fed and yeah. magazine fed. Yeah, fired same round, your rifle fired. That was actually a really good addition to a squad. That's firepower. a great weapon. It is. I mean, a great it's a great weapon. weapon. Yep, it's it a great is. great filler between yeah. that that bigger round fire support mm -hmm. weapon and something a squad can maneuver with. When I when I was a squad leader in, in the infantry, I put my best gunners on the saw, man, because yeah. those guys could rock that thing into a yeah. real, and they did M68s on it at that point. Yep. <laughs> and I'm carrying a thousand rounds, man. They had those saw pouches, yeah. and they had 200 in a pouch, and they had two on one side, it was 400 rounds, and two on the other, and two on the gun, and carry yeah. a thousand rounds. Yeah. I just burn it down. And you'll burn through that, though. Yeah, I mean, will. in a real gunfight, mm -hmm. you're going to burn yeah. through that. That's that, your sustainment, you know, man. I remember right there. The, the basic load for a saw gunner was something like, you know, 400 rounds yeah. or something. One, a, yeah. a box and yeah. one extra box. Mm -mm. You don't think about it until you've actually been to combat and you realize how fast yeah. rounds go. Mm -hmm. And that's not enough ammo. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I came in in 96, mm -hmm. M16A2s in basic, got the Fort Hood, Bradley fighting vehicles. Uh, we had the older ones and then the transition to those ODS ones, the Operation Desert Storm ones. Beretta pistols, uh, very few night vision devices, uh, seven Bravos, but not everybody had them, I don't think. Again, I, I don't think so either. I'm trying yeah. to remember. It kind of yeah. me meshes together, but I think there leaders. was a point where squad leaders were the only ones who had night yeah. vision. We had no lasers yeah. either for them. Uh -huh. I, I didn't see them until I went to SF. We didn't have M4s. Uh, we got a couple later on when I was in Germany. Squad leaders got M4s. Uh, I remember working with the snipers in Kosovo that were like a battalion asset and PVS 10s, the yeah. day night scope on the yeah. M24. Um, I remember those. Th yeah, that was a big bulky piece of gear, but it, it saved you re-zeroing and putting yeah. a night scope on. Uh, I remember infilling snipers into an Overwatch position in Kosovo. And these guys were battalion snipers, and they're, they're you know went to, went to army sniper school. And they were good dudes, and they were they were fired up. But we infilled them, and they sat and watched this village for. It was, I think it was just to give them something to do. Yeah, they, yeah. There's nothing they're gonna see. Yeah. Well, we, we or they're not gonna authorize them to shoot anything. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah, no, doubt. no, not a chance. But we 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 went and picked them up, and we were in up armored Humvees, and covertly we drove up through. The, through this village, right? And we picked them up all covert and they got in the vehicle and we're driving back and my driver's got seven Bravos and he's on, you know, driving in this small Humvee and he's coming along and he freaking goes off the side of the ditch and ends up like 45 degree angle in a ditch but not quite in the river yet and we're stuck. And, you know, having been Co you were going through there all covert and then like 10 minutes later the whole village is out with ratchet straps they're all helping you. And they're all helping us get the vehicle out yeah <laughs> cover is blown guys you know good lesson learned yeah um, my yeah. driver said to me so no it's i got an idea we'll just flip i'll get in and i'll strap in and everybody pushed the vehicle and we'll just roll it down the hill and it'll land on the, i'm like shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah great idea yeah stop good idea. stop thinking <laughs> yeah that's a great idea yeah but that was funny. Uh, it, it, it's always funny too. You have the big, massive ghillie suit. Yeah. The big ghillie monster with with the uh, you know the front is painted so you can crawl yeah. and all that mesh and, and then, number one you can't move with that you'll die no. yeah. of heat exhaustion. I don't care where you are. Yeah. Number two you can't take it off because it takes up your whole rucksack. Yep. And if I have to crawl like this into a firing position. If I take a shot, how do I get out? Yeah, yeah. you know, that's a lot. It's it, a lot just, to think about. yeah, it doesn't make well, that's any where the, the myth, sense. The yeah. myth comes the myth, in a yeah. lot of times. Movies, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a whole nother conversation. The evolution of sniper. Right now, there's a bunch of people out there furiously I writing know, comments about. Oh my god, how I can't believe you, you would say that. Yeah, let me teach you about camouflage concealment. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
So did you do EIB? Oh, yeah, of course. Did you? Big deal. Tell me what EIB is. Expert infantryman's badge. Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of like station testing to like say you're an expert and then you get get some flair for your uniform if you get it. (laughs) A little little low riding rifle, you know. Rifle, yeah. It's pretty important. Pretty important. I was in in Germany, you know, the BDU is in the pocket and the, 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 the rifle was right above the pocket. And if you went to airborne school, then the airborne wings were there and the rifle was on top of that. And I remember this yeah. this other squad leader was like, I need to go to airborne school. I need to get my rifle out of the prone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it was a big deal. Oh, yeah. Now, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you were a nobody yeah. if you didn't. And I didn't get a chance to test for it until I was in Germany. Isn't he six? Yeah. And when I went to, like, PLDC, people were like, you're in the infantry. Where's your rifle? I'm like, never yeah. had a chance. Oh, they yeah. just got to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. But it was a lot. Of, it was like three days of testing. Yeah, it was a big overblown yeah, drama. It really was. But that, yeah, I mean, that's always it was had, a big right? event. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that they would make this. It was like, it, you know, everywhere I went, it was like a big, huge thing. Yeah. Like everything stopped for EIB. Yeah. And they would task people. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, but. And the guys who already had it were the testers and they yeah. took that seriously. Oh, badge yeah. protectors, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not for anybody, you yeah. know. But it was mm-hmm. all common tasks. But yeah. they were very uh, picky about oh, grading. Yeah. Oh, everything yeah. had if to you, be done perfectly. You know, open the, the the feed tray cover before you put it on safe or something like that. You're yeah. gonna go right. Yeah. yeah, and then some dude at the at the station, depending on his you know mentality, yeah. was the guy that was saying, "Oh, you didn't do this, or you did do this." Yeah, and who knows, yeah, you know, yeah. But you know, there's one of the tests where you have to locate your point on a map within a hundred meters. Yeah, eight digit grid. Well, they screwed it up and they tested everybody on a ten digit grid within one meter. And they give a yeah. bunch of people no goes, and then they figure out that they screwed it up. I'm like, within one meter, really? That's yeah. hard, man. Yeah, it, it was. Hilarious. It was good though. I mean, it gave you something mm-hmm. to focus on. It I did. mean, I, I yeah, I look back on it. It was, it was kind of a good thing. The young yeah. guys, especially, you know, and getting it when you're young, mm-hmm. it, it's a good goal yeah. to have. Yeah, and it does show you've mastered some basic skills. Mm-hmm. That, but it's skill level one tasks, you know, yeah. basic. Yeah. Do you do you remember clambering through the woods with no nods on? Oh yeah, God, that was brutal. No, I pro in Germany too. No, I pro, no nods, yeah. just scrambling, making all kinds of noise, and you know we get so yeah. spoiled later on, like when you're night vision goggles and freaking lasers and, and IR lights. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I remember they used to say, "Look through the sides of your eyes, so your rods and cones will kick in." I'm like, it's <laughs> it's freaking like a well in here. It's dark. I can't see anything. Yeah, yeah you know, but bad. take you like three hours to move like yeah. one kilometer. Yeah, and you. Kinds of noise oh, horrible. Yeah. So the 82nd, you had Humvees there? Uh, well, we most, yeah. it was a light, you know, it's yeah. an airborne entry unit. Yeah. So you didn't, mm-hmm. your company would have a vehicle or two, but mm-hmm. you pretty much walked everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, jumped. Or jumped. Airborne. Oh, did yeah. Did you ever do the thing where the air was canceled, so they took you on a truck out to the drop zone, you had to jump off the truck? I never had to do that. I heard about it. But I, I have, I, I don't know if it is or not, but yeah. I have had to go out, there, they, like they pulled these yeah. cattle cars, basically yeah. they put like, 80 people in them mm-hmm. they pulled them in and they they placed them on the drop zone along mm-hmm. along an access like mm-hmm. you would jump out and everybody had to get out and then the, the cattle cars drove away and then it was, basically it was like and scene go and everybody had to like now <laughs> we're to the assembly area yeah now yeah. we ran to our assembly areas and did yeah. all that so it, it was all i see the point of that from moving yeah parts, but i never right? had to like they never drove a truck and we had to jump off i never mm-hmm. i've heard that story too i don't i'm yeah. assuming it happened but it never yeah, happened to me maybe. yeah yeah but um we spent a lot of time you spent a lot of time in the 82nd just the jump is the focus mm-hmm. or it was at my time yeah yeah you know uh yeah. So we spent a lot of time worrying about that. Mm. Biggest evolution in kit in the infantry that you saw in your time? Biggest evolution in kit. It has to be individual night vision. 
Yeah. I mean, the ability mm-hmm. for a whole squad, platoon, company to operate at night and everybody yeah. to see, even mm-hmm. if it wasn't the best quality at the time. Yeah. Um, or what we compare to now, yeah. it was still a, a jump in capability because yeah. now we we could extend our you know our envelope of operation for that mm. unit and that organization could be more effective for longer. Yeah, I'd um, agree with that. Like if you fire take, control everything. Yeah, improved. I was going to say like if you take a squadler's <clears throat> job right and you do a squad attack and you have a base of fire and you have a flanking element, me yeah. as the squadler can sit back and see exactly where they yeah. are because you got a strobe light and I can yeah. shift fire and lift fire at the appropriate time. Whereas before it was like flares, right? Yeah, and and you're telling the enemy you're coming and to be able to shoot at night with lasers. Yeah, assuming the enemy doesn't have nods, that was a huge leap. Yeah, and, and when everybody on the squad has nods and lasers. And you, you you practice and rehearse. It's a it's a really good capability. Yeah. Command and yeah. control and efficiency of movement and all that mm-hmm. just increases a hundred percent. It does when everybody yeah, it does. when everybody has that capability. So yep. to me, I think that early mm-hmm. on that was the biggest thing. It wasn't a weapon system. It wasn't any yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but yeah, the nods and then you know probably after that's going to have to be comma. You know, radios. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a bigger picture standpoint. Yeah. 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 It comes a nightmare too, man, because it just keeps changing and crypto has to change and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that command and control element. And I, I, I think the integration of fires and air and all that kind of stuff that gets practice in war. So let's let's say we're going to do this about the infantry, but let's move into SF. When you yeah. got to your first team, what year? Uh, 98, late 98. What did you have that was SOP peculiar? Was it all the infantry stuff? No, it was all, it was, we had the SOP mod kits, the M4s with all, mm-hmm. the, all the assessments. They had, I think there was an ACOG in there. There was mm-hmm. a... I don't know if it was Peck 15, I yeah, think we had. Yeah, yeah. The old LA laser. Fire, the big, big one. Yeah, yeah the big mm-hmm. one. Um, you know, we had all that kind of stuff. But even then, the uh, you know, we had, I think the radio was the PSC 5, I think. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was better kit than, than I had in the infantry, obviously. But it wasn't like, I think mm-hmm. the infantry now has better kit than we had coming into SF mm-hmm. back then, just through the evolution of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I went into a uh, dismounted company. We didn't do mounted ops, mm-hmm. but until... Once we started getting close to Iraq, they turned us into a mounted company. You didn't even have, like, cry uniforms or, or no, Patagonia. No. You didn't have different rucksacks, <clears throat> Alice no. packs, all that Alice stuff, packs, right? uh, mm-hmm. boots, everything. People, you know, obviously you had a lot more leeway to modify your own yeah. boots or wear civilian mm-hmm. boots, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in the field. That was the best thing about modify SF. Modify your uniform. Modify your mm-hmm. uniform. And as long as you were being responsible and not, you know, walking into the PX with all that, mm-hmm. you were generally good to go. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the equipment... Like before September 11th was kind of pretty standard. Mm. Everybody had PVS 14s when mm-hmm. I got there. Yeah, pretty sure. You know, we had uh, PVS 14s, the monocular, the monocular one eye, yeah. one eye mm-hmm. version. And people, people hate on them all the time. I mean, you run all over the world with those things attached yeah. to your head. You know, well, it's like anything else. If you learn to use it, your yeah. your eyes know what they need to see. It's mm-hmm. like you know, once you wear them enough. Yeah. You, uh, if I need to see outside of my nods, like to work on a, a weapon mm-hmm. or something, you know my non-dominant aisle take over and mm. it, it just becomes something that you get used to and you yeah. learn mm-hmm. instead and of they fight. were they were the shit when when seven bravo was the alternative yeah 14s were awesome oh yeah yeah they were lighter mm-hmm. easier to move maneuver around with i mean i, I prefer a, a dual eye yeah mm-hmm. you know two dual tubes but at the time it was better than what i had mm-hmm. you know and and yeah. i mean now comparing it to what we what the guys have now is mm-hmm. it's like 31 alphas ancient mm-hmm. and 31 alphas yeah. are awesome yeah you know, but mm-hmm. uh, back then it was great. It, yeah. it worked great. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, as the war developed and kit, <clears throat> the, the floodgates started opening up for kit, right? A new kit came oh, yeah. in. The SR twenty fives came in. They yep. soft before they they a version of it came into the army. Camo got upgraded 
vehicles got upgraded, yeah. weapon system. Do you have a Mark 19 in the infantry? Yeah. You did? Yeah, we uh, did. Automatic grenade launcher? Yeah. 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 Uh, did you run the Mark 47 at all in itself? No. No, I didn't run it much either, man. It's well, a, it was one of those things people were scared of. They got yeah. fielded and nobody really kind of understood nobody it. Nobody got trained it, on it? It was a little more complicated. I've heard from people that know that system that yeah. say it's a great system and yep. it works awesome. Mm -hmm. But again, we you know, yeah. If it's too complicated or too scary, a lot of people just leave it in a box and yeah, they won't they yeah. won't mess with that's it. That's true. You know, that's true. It, it, um, if you know what you're doing with it, I mean, you could put a run into a into yeah. a pint glass at freaking distance, but it does take some calibration and some training yeah. and some experience, right? Yeah. Uh, technology well, does not make your life easier; it makes it no, harder, man. No. Yeah. Um, and people get used to their comfort zone with something that's working, and they mm -hmm. don't want to they don't want to shift it out. But yeah, um, biggest evolution of kit in soft. Soft. Well, let's take it by commodity. Vehicles. I think vehicles got to be the biggest evolution we had was just having up armor vehicles for mm -hmm. soft. Yeah. You know, because that saved, I think that saved a lot of lives. I mean, that's. Are you talking the GMVs? Up GMVs. Armor or the like, Striker. I mean, the Strikers. The GMVs. Were, yeah. You the know? Strikers were awesome for what we did in Iraq. <clears throat> yeah. They were phenomenal. They were great. Great. You could great put a lot of guys in there. You had comfort. You had security. Yeah. You had a good gun on it. Well, because people forget that during the invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan. There weren't up armored Humvees mm -mm. doing the invasion. Yeah, you know, I invaded Iraq in a in a Humvee that was stripped down, no windshields, no doors, mm -hmm. yeah. no armor, nothing. But that yeah. was before IEDs were a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, very vulnerable. Yeah. very vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, you just, I mean, we we did hits with the ICTF where we had un, you know non armored Humvees with you know eight assaulters on mm -hmm. seats in the back, and we're driving just crazy with nods on. Yeah, but that all had to change when mm -hmm. when EFPs and IEDs started happening. Mm -hmm. So. The reason I say it's a big evolution, just putting armor on that, is because although it did slow you down, there were some problems with that. I think it d definitely saved a lot of lives. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It was just that's the war, the way yeah. war evolves, right? Yeah. Obviously, the night vision phenomenal shooting, you know, fighting with night vision and lasers and specter gunships overhead and all that yeah. integrated piece together with snipers thermal weapon sights. Yeah, huge, huge improvement. Yeah, the right? inod and all that. The that inod. Gear, and, and, that you that's. Know, that thermal ability, that thermal mm -hmm. spectrum is just, it, it's yeah. amazing what the guys got mm -hmm. equipment-wise now and yeah. what they can do compared to what we used to can be able to do at night. Yeah, yeah. Weapons have evolved quite a bit too. Ballistic calculators obviously have helped immensely. That's a huge, yeah, it's that's a huge, a huge change. Um, and we've talked about that a lot. It's just that, just understanding ballistics mm -hmm. and understanding what the reality of it is was mm -hmm. something that was lacking. It, it was, was all a mystery. It was, it's it was just, all theory. Yeah, we didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah. Then drones, drones, oh, and yeah. then with drones come counter drone. And then, you know, I've been talking about, you know, my career and I'm, I'm about to get into the force mod world. Yeah. Uh, dealing with all those different commodity robotics and communications and intel systems and weapons and ammo and freaking huge yeah. evolution. I, I think there's absolutely value added in coming up, like being under-resourced early on in your career. I yeah. think it just sets a good base. It really it does. does. And it sounds like uh, two old guys sitting about how it was in our day, but you'll see it a lot where if you it's like a trust fund kid man if you give yeah. people everything they, they they lose the ability to improvise and figure it out and i've seen some of the best training i've ever done in my career was done on a shoestring budget mm -hmm. and you just go figure it out man well you have just, to be creative you yeah. have to mm -hmm. you know and a lot of people try to fix training issues with gear mm -hmm. and that's not a, a gear is an enhancer yeah you know you can enhance good training with gear but you can't you can't um you can't defeat bad training with gear. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. if a guy's not mm-hmm. trained, you can give him the best piece of kit in the world. It's, mm-hmm. it's not going to mean anything. It's not going to help. There's no, nothing like that right now. Mm-hmm. And I think I think a lot of the mindset shifted when gear became more prevalent. It's like anything in society. Mm-hmm. It becomes, well, we'll fix that. Like, I remember yeah. being in a conversation when I was in, I guess I was at, I might have been at the sniper school. I don't remember. But uh, it was a command sergeant major and in the regular army. And the guy was wondering if we knew of anything that was would enable a, a single soldier to use a uh use the same optic at cqb ranges and also out at out past a thousand and i was like there's no optic yeah that can, and even if yeah. i had an optic like that yeah the guy yeah. you put behind it's not going to be able to no. do that it doesn't exist you mm-hmm. know but they want a quick fix yep. for i just they i want to put very little training into my guys but i want to put a piece of kit on them mm-hmm. and, and they're like deadliest in the world and yeah. it just doesn't work it doesn't like work that. that way it doesn't, doesn't work, work like that, that way it's like saying is there one exercise that's going to make me stronger than anybody yeah. else in the yeah. world yeah. no there isn't <laughs> What can I eat that gives me washboard abs? Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's the quick fix. Donuts. I yeah. tried donuts. Doesn't work. <laughs> Doesn't work. Right? Yeah. I'm checking off the list slowly. Yeah. I don't have a six I pack. Honey barbecue wings, beer. None of those work. So don't do those. <laughs> the process of elimination. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm working. I'm grinding. Um, talk to me about javelin. Uh, oh, yeah. You got the javelin for the invasion of Iraq. Yeah, and no instruction. You had to read the manual. No, we were we had a range day in in Jordan uh, where they they brought in like pallets of javelin like every guy in my company got to just, shoot a javelin just explain what a javelin is real quick okay a javelin is a shoulder launched uh anti-tank missile mm-hmm. basically it's 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 fire and forget so you lock in you, you get a lock on the target the the nose cone of the missile gets an imprint of what the target looks like you fire that missile off and you leave and the missile flies itself into the target and it can hit from the top or it can hit yeah. direct attack. It has right? top so, attack or direct attack. So a top attack, obviously, there's less armor on the top of a tank, and it punches through it. Direct attack would be if the tank was underneath the structure or something like well, that. Well, it's just and, straight line. Yeah. It's just a missile shoots like But the only reason like you bullet. would fire it like that would be if there was overhead, because it, it's optimal yeah. to shoot it from above, it is. right? It is. If you so get... it would be if it was underneath the structure and you couldn't hit it from above, right? Yeah. yeah. So phenomenal missile the, yeah. the ability to fire and forget so you guys got them in jordan yep and we did some training with them and then we mm-hmm. we immediately every truck had like four of them on it because mm-hmm. you know we were going into iraq where there was an armor threat and all that mm-hmm. and i know there was some other units then during the invasion of iraq that had a lot more you know big tank battles with mm-hmm. where they they really stretched the javelin i think it was either third or tenth group teams i'm not sure which one third i think i'm not but, really yeah, sure who, yeah but, might be uh, both but they they did yeah. a lot of damage with javelins against actual tanks mm. you know where i went in um most of our stuff was was trucks was it we mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of tanks out there that, that so you were, just sat on the hill and and you know set it up <clears throat> they weren't moving they were just stationary and you're like oh, well my my the, what i got to do was you know we there was a town that we were outside of one time and they had some trucks with heavy machine guns on mm-hmm. them and we were you know, doing a recce of the outside of the town, and we saw the trucks in there, so we got in a little gunfight, started taking fire, and before the trucks could get done, I dismounted the truck and was able to get to a position where I could top attack and hit, mm-hmm. you know, hit, range. hit the target. It, that one was probably about 800. Yeah, it'll hit moving, right? As long as it takes a picture of the target. Yeah, If yeah. the target moves, it'll yeah. track it and hit it, yeah. yeah. And um, um, another one, we, we were doing bomb damage assessment on a Republican Guard barracks area out in the desert, mm-hmm. and just... Two dudes pulled up in a truck and decided the, that it was their guard shift. They were coming mm. to work, our Iraqi army uniforms, and just they didn't even know we were there. Mm. Or again, we were about seven, 800 yards out, and they were sitting in a guard shack, and I launched a javelin on the guard shack mm-hmm. and, and took that out. You know, mm-hmm. was, But 
little stuff like that. But a lot of guys did. You could use N-arm or ambushes with them. There's a lot of different things you could do with the javelin. But it's a mm-hmm. great system. Yeah. I mean, that's what's that's what's killing all the tanks in Ukraine right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. we're shipping javelins over there like nobody's business. And that's yeah. a great weapon system. Yeah, proxy war. Cool, man. All right. That, we'll wrap it up there. I love Kate, man. I love the yeah. evolution of Kate. You ever heard of the Show Show machine gun? Uh-uh. Look that up. It's like CHO, CHO. So in World War One, when the Americans got involved, yeah. they, um, we had no machine guns. So we bought this Show Show rifle from the French. And it's a weird looking gun. The magazine is underneath it, and it's a full kind of half moon mag, but it's open. And so you can see the bullets in it. Yeah. Well, World War One was kind of a dirty battle. Yeah. Not one like there was there was incidents where not one they all jammed. Not one would go. None of them actually went through a full mag without jamming repeatedly because of the dirt. Yeah. And the Americans threw them in the corner like they were yeah, bought from I the French it. on a whim by some guy who didn't know any better. Yeah. You're like, oh, you got machine guns? Give us like a thousand or whatever they bought and garbage, yeah. absolute garbage machine gun. And it's stuff like that is why I end up going into the first mod world, yeah. man. Well, that's like, what's called a top-down requirement. It Some is. guy that sits in an office decided yeah. what the guy in the trench needed in mm-hmm. World War One, And the guy in yeah. the trench could have told him that all day long if they'd have just had a conversation with yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And show, show. That still happens. Yeah, I mean, you don't, there's there's a lot of you know top-down directed programs that mm-hmm. the guys get something and they're like, why do I have this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, who yeah. made this, you yeah. know. You know, minute, uh, mill turrets and minute angle. You know, <laughs> Second focal plane. Turrets, yeah, all this. Yeah. All, we got hundreds of examples yeah. of it, but why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, a lot of times, just somebody thinks they know better than everybody else. Yep. That doesn't. I'm going to dig into yeah. that in my next podcast with uh, the Force Mod world. It's an interesting one, man. It was an education working there. There's a great book, and I gave it to Terry, and I got to get it back from him. He's been he's yeah. lying to me. He keeps telling yeah. me he's going to give it back, but he's, he's holding it hostage. It, I can't remember the name of it, though, because Wish actually gave it to me to read but it's about the whole force mod world like back in from the yeah. beginning to now yeah there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of cool things in there that you didn't realize yeah yeah that you didn't know about when i was leaving when i was getting out of the army and i was leaving force mod as ncoic a force mod we had gotten there was a couple of other people leaving at the same time as me and we had a couple of new people coming in to work so i got everybody together and i bought a cake and I just, because it was like a joint kind of thing for the guys leaving and the guys coming. Yeah. And I got the cake and I just wrote congratulations on it. And I said, this covers everything because if you're coming here, congratulations, this is a phenomenal field. You can really make a difference to the force here. You can really get things done. If you're leaving, congratulations for leaving this shithole. <laughs> it's a nightmare to work here because it was both. It, it was, was an yeah. absolute nightmare, but you did get a lot of good yeah. shit done, but it was a battle all the way. Yeah. So that cake covered both scenarios. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Sean. Till next right. time. Great okay. time. Bye.